chance to feel like heroes too Forever we'll win And if we should lose We know someday we'll go all the way Yeah, someday we'll go all the way Welcome to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast I'm your host, Sean Holland Our guest today, Jeff Everson One of the real big wigs on Cubs Twitter and we just talk about all kinds of stuff. Uh, Baez, Chatwood, pre-injury. Um, we did not mention the uh, any of the trades the Cubs made, but they hadn't happened when we recorded. But obviously they got Jose Martinez. Not bad. Um, the audio does drop off a wee little bit at the end of this uh, pod, but you know, technology being what it is, it's still a very good conversation. Um, I was entertained, so here is Jeff. Welcome to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. Glad to have you on. Happy to be here. This should be a lot of fun. All right, so I guess we'll just dive right into it, because, well, there's been a lot of stuff going on with the Cubs of late, and... I'll just ask you the same question I ask everybody. Um, how do you feel about the Cubs right now? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think I think their record is representative of what they've been. Um, I don't think that they're a bad team by any stretch. And I think in this year, it's just get to the playoffs and see what you can do there once you get there. Um, the one-run one losses are frustrating, and the situational hitting is frustrating, but that's been a trend for a few years now. I mean, I think it's – it's as simple as this. Like, they're going to, unless there's some horrible collapse, they're going to make the playoffs. And then it's going to come down to what their stars can do. Um, and it's been nice to see guys like Nico Horner starting to play better and Ian Happ having a great year and Jason Kipnis having a great year. But they need Javi Baez and Chris Bryant to carry the load once they get there. So it's going to come down to that. I mean, they're, they've got as much of a chance as anybody. Uh, it's just a product of their stars playing like stars. And we just haven't seen that much lately. Yeah, well, as we record this, the Cubs won the first half of a doubleheader against the Reds, so they are again the best team in baseball. Now, by the time <laughs> you listen to this, they might have lost a nightcap, and they're the worst team in baseball again, but uh, there's some highs and lows this year on Twitter. It's, I mean, even in most years, there are highs and lows on Twitter, but this year, there's really some highs and lows on Twitter. Yeah, the uh, the product of a sixty game season. Obviously, there's more urgency, but this is uh, this is like an NFL season as far as Twitter's concerned. You're you're only as good as your last game at this point. Um, but I mean, it's it's such a muddle in the middle right now. I think everybody except maybe the Dodgers and the NL, their fans could look at it and be freaking out about their record. Um, and in a lot of cases, it's it's playoff caliber teams. And you know, it's just it's it's not as easy to say without one sixty two that you have to kind of look long haul and look at the big picture. Um, but there's, they're in a good spot right now overall. And it's, they, they can turn out as much as anybody. So it's, it's just a product of uh, managing expectations and just managing yourself over, over 60 games. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess if there's one thing that, you know, it's been bugging everybody on Twitter and anywhere and everywhere is, is this hobby bias thing. It's just something is not right. I don't, this is the most lost he's ever looked. Everybody's been saying it. And, it's just, I don't get, what is going on with Hobby? 
That's a great question. I mean, there's a lot of talk that he's taking too many strikes, that he's almost trying to be too cautious at the plate. And then as soon as it's two strikes, he's swinging at anything. Um, I think the numbers sort of bear that out. Uh, I think it'd be good if he could start taking the ball the other way and trying to just hit more singles and doubles. And the power is going to find itself. I mean, he's got so much natural power that if he starts getting the balls, they're going to, the home runs are going to take care of themselves. But I think it's a product of he tried to go up there and, and tried to be more patient and he's just putting himself in bad counts. And then, kind of reverting to reverting to his worst form where he's just going to swing at any slider outside. He's going to swing at anything in the dirt and it's just not going to be productive for him. Um, I mean, I wouldn't bet against the talent. I wouldn't bet against what we've seen from him, but it, it, it's just overcomplicating things for himself. And it's just not what you want to see out of him. Like Javi needs to just go out there and play. Like he's such a talented, smart player. And so instinctive, such an instinctive player that he just needs to fall back on what he knows how to do. And if you, you know, if, he, if he's going up there saying I have to take a strike or I have to um, try to try to go up there and punch one 450 feet to left field, it's just it's not going to work. How how instincts are among the best in baseball, and if he can just go up there and play, like he's going to be good. Um, and it's something you can't really coach out of him outside of that. So again, I wouldn't bet against him. He's that good. We've seen it. Uh, but it's just it, it it he has to he has to click for them to make a run at this thing. And uh, until we see it it's just going to be tough to uh to bet on it well it's one of those things you know i think overall i'm a pretty big fan of the david ross you know taking over his manager and everything seems to have gone pretty well but bias is the one who really flourished under joe madden and you wonder is that the one thing that'll be will bias not be as good if he doesn't have whatever the connection between joe madden and javi bias where you know he seemed to just thrive under it. And I do worry about that a little bit. No, it's a great point. And obviously we don't know what goes on inside the clubhouse. And and it was so well documented, his relationship with Joe Madden, where, where Joe, it's, uh, I mean, he said to the media, like, I just let Javi be Javi. Um, and he, you know, he managed him through when he first came up and he couldn't make contact. And he managed him through a year where uh, Javi spent most of the year in the minors in 2015 and um, then turned him into a borderline he almost won the MVP award in 2018. So clearly Joe knew exactly how to make him into the, make him into his best form. Like, I don't know what Ross would be telling him that would be different. Um, but yeah, maybe there is a disconnect there. And maybe when, you know, Javi has a couple bad games in a row, just David Ross just doesn't know the right thing to say to him to get him to calm down. I, I don't think it's there. I don't think it's going to, Javi's a guy who's going to respond to being benched or he's going to be a guy who responds to, um, you know, being called on the carpet about stuff. I, I, I think that you, you just need to let them play and let, let the talent and the instincts kick in. But yeah, it's, it, it could very well be there's just a disconnect between Rossi and the, the correct messages to him. But then the other thing, too, is that I always have to keep reminding myself is we're 30 games into the, to a season. <laughs> it's halfway through the season, of course. But in any other year, a guy having a horrible April, you'd be, oh, you had a horrible April, but... You still got five months of the year to everything to go back to normal. It's just sometimes I you got to remember remember the urgency of the like we can't overreact to such a small sample. Exactly. Um, I mean, even it, it it's so easy. Like like you're saying, it's easy. Oh, it's just it, we're halfway through the year, and 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 Javi's, I believe his wage runs created plus is, is like 67 right now. Um, so close to nice. Uh, but you know, you go. If it was 162, you don't really care. Like it's it's going to work tough every six months. But 
I mean, they're going to be playing playoff games in a month in all likelihood. So it's tough because you can't view it. You do have to just view it as one bad month, but also like the time to figure things out and get in gear. They just don't really have it at this point. So hopefully we see improvement in the next couple of weeks and, and go into the playoffs on a high note, but we've seen, we've seen Javi Deuce go from nothing to absolutely nuclear before. Um, so I, it could definitely happen. I, I don't think it's, it's a magic switch to flip, but um, yeah, it's, it's just one of the fun products of a 60 game season for a sport that is usually a large sample size sport. Well, speaking of good news out of small samples and we saw it again today, but you Darvish is just, he's living up to everything you ever want him to live up to so far, especially since about late July last year, he's just been awesome. He's fantastic. Uh, I mean, right now, I think you have to, he's the front runner for the NL Cy Young. Um, striking everybody out, not walking guys, giving up very soft contact. It's This is the guy you thought you were getting when you signed him. Um, and he's the career active leader in strikeouts per nine, has been, has, has been well documented. He's, I don't know that he's ever looked better in his career, and he had some tremendous years with Texas. Um, it's Yeah, it's great. And it's, it's great to see for a guy like that who took – just a, a ton of crap in his first season here, which really wasn't on him. He, he got hurt and he tried to pitch through it and was bad because people who try to pitch through injuries usually don't do very well. And then a bunch of narratives formed, you know, with him being on the team for two months at that point. And it's just, it's very rewarding to see him get back and be this, this peak form of himself and, and be pitching so well. It's really, uh, it's a lot of fun. And it's fun to just watch him go out there because he, he throws what eleven different pitches, mm-hmm. and he can strike guys out throwing ninety-seven. Or he can strike guys out with a with a seventy-mile-an-hour curveball, and it's 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 an absolute blast to watch. Yeah, I, I almost have a um, today. I almost had a heart attack when he that little dribbler down the line, and he fell on the ground, and he, he was down for a second. I'm like, come on, get up, get up. <laughs> Well, at least with this, med- if, if this with this medical staff, he could blow his knee out, and they'd still let him start two more games. So. Yes. Yeah, he's a, he's a little dinged up, but we're gonna we'll let him we'll let him go out there. We'll we'll put off the MRI for a few weeks just to uh, save the money or whatever. Yeah, we gave him three starts, but you know, I think we'll put him on the DL. Oh yeah, and he blew out his knee. <laughs> well, it was the story in his his uh, 2018 season that they did an MRI and didn't see anything, and it turned out they didn't do the correct MRI, which involves a die injection so he they just try to push him through playing catch with a stress fracture in his elbow wow it's like it's all right these are these are top of the world athletes here and you should be probably springing for the the more advanced mri for the thing that uh powers his entire (laughs) his entire career and his entire production for your team in his elbow but uh yeah it's uh fortunately he was not hurt today and we don't have to deal with the MRI roulette that we've seen in the past. Yeah. And that was, you know, the same thing with uh, Chris Bryant this year again, where Chris was like, you know, the slid on the ground to catch the ball, slid in the ground, hurt his wrist, let him keep playing. A couple days later. Yeah. It's worse than we thought. And it just get, it gets get kind of old that you should know better at this point. Yeah. hundred percent. And I mean, watching the game where, where Bryant got hurt, he clearly got up shaking his hand. Everybody who was watching on TV could see it. Um, and like the next, I, I don't think he missed a game out of it. I think he, I think he was mm-hmm. back in the next night. If it was, if it was, it wasn't the next night, it was two nights later. And clearly 
clearly was carrying it for a while. And then they finally decided to shut him down for a week or two. And yeah, it's, it's these, these guys are competitive. Like they're going to want to get out there and play if they're it's, it's the whole mentality. A lot of athletes it's, it's hurt versus injured, but so there, there has to be an adult in the room between um, the doctor or, or the manager or whoever. And I mean, I can't hang this really on Ross, but somebody has got to be coming in and saying like, look, this you're, let's do some tests. You're clearly banged up. And you know, there's the IL is there for a reason. So um, it's a running trend. Supposedly they've made some changes, the medical staff. And I, I would hope that they're just learning on the job to uh, intervene because Chris Bryant at 60% capacity and, and only further getting injured. is just not, not going to help anybody out. So uh, I'll ask you about uh, Tyler Chatwood started out so good. Now the last couple outings, the old Chatwood from his first year with the Cubs. Do you have any faith left in him? Should we have faith in him? What do you think? Speaking of guys who might still be injured, um, it's tough. I mean, I still think the best role for him is trying to turn him into a one or two inning uh, power arm out of the bullpen. It's the talent is there. uh, And we've seen the talent be there um that sinker when he can when he get up there around 95 96 is basically unhittable and and he's got a few good secondaries with it i think that it's just reached a point where either he is still injured and and his mechanics are out of whack but the other side is just maybe he like he's a guy who has so many moving parts in his in his windup and they all have to click at once and it's just going to be so feast or famine that maybe starting just isn't the right role for him you know, if you bring that out of the bullpen and it's not going well, you can get him out after three hitters. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've seen it. You watch him start and you know, within the first batter or two, if, if Tyler's, mm-hmm. Tyler's on that night or not. Um, yes. If, he, if he's spiking his curveball right away or you know, completely missing his spots, you just, you, it's not going it, to, it rarely works itself out shortly thereafter. Um, so I, I just think you move him out of that role. And now with Quintana, with Quintana back and with Alzale making a bid to get some more, some more starts, you have enough depth in your rotation. You can run chat without the bullpen and maybe you've really improved your bullpen uh, mm-hmm. that way too, if, if that works for him. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I don't know where you're at on it, but it, it just seems to me that locking him into a rotation spot just isn't, isn't the best spot with, with the other options you have. That's what I'm thinking, too, because, you know, say what you will, Quintana's not going to knock your socks off, but he will give you solid five, six innings. And, you know, Chatwood can be good. And if you get him for an inning or two, when he's on, he can blow people away. So I think that, I'm with you, that's the better. And, you know, I don't know, Alzale, will they ever let him start, like, this year? I don't know, but... I'd like to see more of him. Yeah, and with um, you know, with they've got, I believe this is game thirty-two tonight, so they've they've got less than a month worth of games. If you have to set it up so you've got maybe a Mills Alzale stack, or you call um, you call Tyson Miller back up and, and stack him behind somebody, or even Chatwood stacking with Alzale or Mills, like there's there's ways to work around this with how little of a season there's left. You're not going to count on Alzale to give you thirty six inning starts over the course of the year um, at, the, at this stage with, with how the season's so protracted. And there are likely to be more seven inning double headers, which play well into just trying to push Owsley twice through the, 
through the order. I just think there's creative ways to handle it at this stage. Um, and you've got guys who are kind of tweeners already. I think Mills has been solid, but I think Mills probably projects more as a, a tweener type guy where you want to run him out there twice through the order, get him out after five and bring in some power arms to really contrast with him gunning in uh, 87 mile hour sinkers. So yeah, I, I, I think with this staff, like you've, you have three locked in starters with Hendricks, uh, Darvish and Lester, and then you can just kind of be creative behind that. And and they have enough guys with who can throw for some length and can be really good in spurts that you just try to see what you can do with that for the next 28 games or, or so, and then maybe carry the same idea into the playoffs. Now, we both, you and I would love to be able to have friend of our podcast, <laughs> uh, Corey Friedman, admit he's wrong, but I still cannot feel confident in Kimbrell. I want to feel confident in him. I feel a bit more confident. The stuff looks a little better, but it still gets shaky. Should Can you give me some hope that he'll really you know, settle in and we'll get Corey to admit he's wrong? Well, if it's an indication, I've stopped complaining about him so much on Twitter. He's, he's kind of left my key joke portal for uh, things. But... Um, I mean, the fastball's got more life than it did at the start. I, I, I don't think Corey's going to admit he's wrong this year. As much as I think we would all like to see it, I don't think we're going to see enough of Kimbrell. I mean, striking everybody out that he's going to see it. But mm-hmm. I do think the last few items have been encouraging. Um, at the very least, not every fastball is ending up in the grandstand. Um, yes. There, that's, it's, a, it's a low bar to clear, but <laughs> hey, it's progress. Uh, He's located the fastball better. It's got more life. I mean, I don't think you're going to get Pete Kimbrell ever on this on this deal. You're not going to get no. a top five closer in baseball, but he could be effective. He could be a guy you bring in in the seventh in a 4-2 game and, again, have a quick hook. If, if it doesn't work, you get him out after three hitters. It's I don't think it's going to be great. I don't think it's going to be as terrible as we saw at the start of the year. And at least he's popping, he's popping 97, 98. He's locating. It's at least keeping hitters off balance to, mm-hmm. to some extent. I mean, we saw at the start of the year and it's been well documented. Like they just weren't swinging at his curveball. No. At all. It was, it was, and then if they just completely spit on that, then it's just sit and wait for the, the fastball and then hit it 450 feet. Um, that's not happening anymore. So that's good. But, uh, Whatever, if there's a really good version of Kimbrell to get, I don't think they get it this year, but I don't think they, that he could at least be a useful piece in the bullpen. Yeah. I think that's, that's what we should be hoping for. Um, and just keep getting them opportunities to try to, try to do that. Yeah. And hope, uh, Jeremy Jeffress stays as solid as he's been. <laughs> I was about to say, thank, thank God for the Jeremy Jeffress signing and, and that he's gotten back to, uh, his 2018 form when he was unhittable with the Brewers. Um, yeah, that's been, been really great to see him and and i, I still think Rowan Wick, like Rowan wick's last outing wasn't fantastic mm-hmm. but I, I i think there's a lot of talent there and that, that i i had a whole tweet thread about this at one point but it's you know if you've got wick and jeffers and they're capable of handling some number of outs from the eighth and ninth you can just yeah. find ways to fill in behind that like the, the hard <laughs> side is, is closing the game yeah that that's always the the hardest thing to do and you know you've got to para who's been good. Winkler has not been good, a lot of walks, but he seems to keep people off the board. So there's some pieces right. in there. But obviously, 
Kyle Ryan's been awful, and you need a lefty of some sort. But I don't know if they're going to pull the trigger on a trade. I really hope they do, but they need yeah, a lefty. What, what are your thoughts on this deadline? <clears throat> well, they, they keep saying that they're broke. So I don't know if they actually are broke, but that's what they keep saying. And, you know, they've been – you haven't heard many rumors about them. And I do get worried they're just going to go – the financial situation with the just not good, and we're going to keep what we got. I mean, you would think it would be silly because there's going to be people available for very little, but I don't think they're going to do anything. Yeah, uh, you you would hope that they would be linked to somebody at this point publicly, and they just have not been. Um, Cameron Maven's the only one, and he's he'd be a, a fine addition, but I don't think fifth outfielder is at the mm-hmm. – top of my list of concerns to address at this point um yeah and they're not i I think it's as you said it goes without saying they're not going to add money for next year they are very much drawing a line that is probably built on lies that they (laughs) they're going to see this huge reduction in in profits and i don't know maybe if they can't have fans next year there's some truth to it but regardless yeah it just it doesn't seem like the big blockbusters out there. And, uh, you know, the guy, a guy who I actually was pretty interested in was Trevor Rosenthal and he mm-hmm. got traded to the Padres today. Um, and you start going down the list of who could conceivably sell and like the angels have some interesting arms, but they all have years of control with it. So mm-hmm. it's going to cost a, a fortune to get a guy like a, like a Ty Buttery or, or Hansel Robles or something like that. So yeah, I just don't see who the, the match is right now at this mm-hmm. point. I guess they could always uh, bring Pedro Strope back, but he doesn't have much in the tank. I'd love it. Uh, yeah, I, I I really don't know if he if he can still do it, but man, he deserves a shot, doesn't he? Yes. Well, that was everyone the other night. But he's he's in Chicago, and it took all my energy to not tweet out. You know, he probably still lives in Chicago. I just I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to rain on everyone's parade, but. So, uh, total aside, I've actually met his his neighbor uh, at an airport bar one time. My flight was delayed, so I watched oh. the Cubs clinch the 2017 Central and met his neighbor. And, and listeners will be happy to know that Pedro is a fantastic neighbor, according to this guy. But yeah, he does have a uh, have a house here. So, yeah, he might just be waiting it out. Uh, it'd be it'd be cool though if they get back from Cincinnati and Adam for. Uh, well, I mean, he would be a cheap addition. They can't yeah. say that he would cost a lot of money, so. Yeah, it's just it'd just be the prorated minimum because Cincinnati would be paying the rest of that deal. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know, like he he wasn't throwing hard with the Reds. He his his best days are are behind him, but he he deserves a chance to go out um, on his terms with the Cubs with with how good he was uh, through the entire run and. I don't, know. I, I, I don't know that it would be that much worse than whoever their uh, their seventh guy out of the bullpen is at this yes. point. So I guess I'll ask you this: uh, since this is your you're telling me you've never done a podcast before, so I thought I would ask you try not to get canceled on this podcast. <laughs> I've been going pretty easily on you, but I'll give you a minute to come close to getting canceled without. Okay. So. Give me your hottest Cubs take of the past couple days. It'll get people mad. Oof. Oof. Um, 
Wow, I'm on the spot here. How does Cubs take? Um, this is this is good podcast. I need to sit and, and think about this for a second. Um, last couple of days or or bigger picture? How about the first month of the year? First month of the season. Okay. Uh, man, I. Have you guys? Because this this is a year where I've been more at a loss of hot takes. Um, <laughs> sorry, this is bad. This is bad podcast. Hey, I'll give you one. I'm, I'm real. I'm really thinking this through. Uh, okay. I'll think. Here's a subject for you. Was Joe Madden overrated as Cubs manager? Okay, so I, this 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 is a real path I can go down uh, while I think about this. Um. Joe Madden was not overrated because of what he accomplished, but Joe Madden at the end was not the initial Joe Madden they got. And I think that winning the World Series to some extent went to his head. Uh, I think there was definitely a breakdown with the front office at the end. I, I think that there were some very passive-aggressive comments um, in the media from both P.O. and Jed and, and Joe himself. Uh, I, I think that you have to evaluate things move so quickly in pro sports. You have to evaluate on a year-by-year basis. Joe was tremendous in 15, he's tremendous in 16, he's tremendous in 17, and then I don't think he was too interested in learning new ideas at no. that point. I think he had won, won a lot of games, he won a World Series, he was for a, 10 years considered the smartest manager in baseball, and nobody could come in and really tell him any differently. Um, and it manifested itself with Elmora being one of the worst hitters in baseball and leading off a number, yes. several dozen games. Constantly, yes. Uh, it came down to they would get into tight bullpen spots and they'd have better relievers available and it would always be Brandon Kinsler coming in. And Kinsler is fine, but he's not the guy that you want in the highest leverage spots. No. Um, so I, I think, I mean, I appreciate what Joe does. I, I think there should be a lot of statues for the 16 team and he deserves one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that you get to the end of, of the 2019 season, and, and there's this weird thing where it's it's so line in the sand, either fire, yes. well, he didn't get fired, but not renewing Joe's contract yes. was the dumbest thing they could have done, and and he was awesome, and they absolutely should have brought him back, or he was terrible, and he's mm-hmm. now the worst manager. It's like, no, Joe. There's middle ground. Yeah. Exactly. Well, not on the internet, but yeah, there's, true. there's a middle ground, and I just think a lot of this was fit. And after a while, the front office wanted to interject itself more and maybe they had really good information and he was just ignoring it. Um, yeah. But you watched them play last year and clearly they weren't completely zoned in. Clearly the, any message of urgency wasn't getting through and you were seeing stuff strategically that just was bad. And it, it draws back to, uh, just the concept of the manager being a little checked out mm-hmm. of the manager being sort of set in his ways and i mean things aren't going great in anaheim for joe right now yeah no they're not although and, i guess he didn't get much for like pitching to work with but it's going very badly yeah uh i mean they should be they should with eight playoff teams they should be mm-hmm. one of them um so yeah it's Again, I appreciate what he did here, but it just reached a point where it didn't seem like a good relationship for anybody. It didn't seem like a good fit. And David Ross has been, I think, as advertised. And I think of the choices in retrospect that they had. I mean, Gabe Kapler is doing a pretty terrible job with the Giants. Not that there's a lot to work with, but there's 
basic mistakes for relievers that he's making. I, I didn't think Girardi would have been good for this team. No. Uh, two weeks after the interview, Joe Espada was implicated in the Astros cheating scandal to yeah. go by association there. It's, it, it's just there wasn't this other great option. And that's uh, been a lot of certain group of people on Cubs Twitter have been on the Joe Girardi for Cubs manager bandwagon for like 15 years. It's actually been those people have some stamina. I they, don't I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. he's from Illinois. He's from Illinois. He played he played for the team. That's that's yeah, that's all that matters. He's a local guy. Like why do we care if he grew up a Cubs fan? Not to quote uh, Jason Kipnis, but He was from Northbrook. I don't know if you heard that. Yes. Uh, and Ian Happ is from Pittsburgh. Yes. You never hear those two things. Um, it's funny that Ian Happ is from Pittsburgh even into the video game this year. Uh, I heard Matt Fiskerja say that on the computer commentary. So uh, that's a big story. Um, I don't know if it's a hot take to get back to this, but I think that to to beg on David Ross after I've been after I've been uh, praising him, I think that there is a little bit too much static with the batting order. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the Chris Bryant leadoff thing it wasn't working, and I, I think he's a guy you want to drop down in the order a little bit. I, I think that the thing that Ross could do better is just change the order up more. Just maybe try. Maybe that would get Javi going if you moved him down a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that would spark him if, if some pressure is off batting out like the sixth hole. Let's say I think the Ian Happ to lead off thing finally happened, but it was forced due to injury. I, I, I think with how he started and how good his at bats were, uh, he probably should have been leading off sooner or at least in the top three sooner. Um, so I, I think that there's some like there's a lot of advanced baseball research that says the batting order doesn't matter, but I do think there's a mental aspect to it for players. Yeah, and it's like last year Jason Hayward was playing the best he had played as a cub and they decided to move him up to, up to lead off and left him there for too long and he just he couldn't get on base yes. like, all right, well clearly this is the, the only thing that changed with him is very bad in the order and this is clearly messing with him so let's well, go yeah. back down to six or seven where he was being successful and it made me mad because i wrote like a whole article like two years before about with these quotes from hayward saying i put too much pressure on myself in the leadoff spot i changed my whole approach when I was in the Braves and it messed up everything. And then, and then he's on the Cubs and the same thing. Hmm. And then like a couple years later, he's back in the lead off spot. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> it, 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 he, and he was leading off for like far longer than he should have. Like it was bad and it was not getting the most out of him. And it's just like, why is he still there? And I, I feel like Ross is to a certain extent falling in the same traps. And maybe that's the feedback he's getting in the clubhouse. Maybe it's, if you guys like having knowing where they're batting, but I think you know to put everybody in their best position possible, sometimes you got to switch things up. And I, I and think definitely that, under Hepburn leadoff took, took no too long. circumstances should Almora ever hit leadoff. Ever. <laughs> you just you, you got to get him a number of opportunities. There's a quota to make people happy on the internet, and uh, that number is is a very high number, and he has to lead off to it. But yes, I, I obviously agree with you. Uh, I mean, the uh, the fan support for Albert Elmore, when you say anything in an article or about Elmore not doing good, my God, you get, you get some backlash. <laughs> it, it's, it's, 
It's amazing. I, all right, I'll, I'll go on the record just just to be clear that I think he tries hard. I think he wants to win. All all the stuff like the the intangibles about a friend. Like I don't think he's out there, you know, trying to do poorly and steal money from the team. But there's a lot of eyewash in his game, and I think people fall for it. I think the diving catches because he had a bad first step really play with people. I think he looks like he should be an all star at the plate, and then he flails at sliders outside of the zone, and. I think the role that they've used him in this year has been perfect. He's a good late inning defensive replacement. Maybe you get him in at bat late over uh, other eliminaries like Josh Fagley. Um, you know, he's pinch run a little bit. Like that's fine. That's that's a, a fine role for him as, as a fifth outfielder type. But I mean, he looks he looks the part, but he just doesn't really play the part. <laughs> and I think I, that I, that could be your your uh, uptake right there because I kind of agree with you that the catches look amazing because I've seen them in person. They look amazing. But if you look at it, their catches, other outfielders and center field would make routinely that he has to go all out to make a catch that someone else would make easily, but it looks cool. But yeah, they're not, his range isn't great. And his defensive metrics aren't good, or at least they weren't last year. I haven't, I mean, we're, we've, 30 games to go on this year, so they're not going to be great. But he did not grade out as a very good defensive player. But he, you know, he he's got good instincts. He's got a good first step, and he has a flair for the dramatic with his catches. Um, which there was some way to quantify, like if a guy dives, how often do they actually come up with mm-hmm. it, player by player? Because he's got to have a very high rate for dive, like the amount of times he dives and actually makes the catch. But there's just no speed. There's no. He doesn't have the range of of a lot of the better center fielders in the league. It's just, it looks great. It's, it's, it's the whole eyewash thing. It mm-hmm. looks fantastic, but then you look at just the most baseline numbers and said, this guy is the 20, what are rosters at this point? 26, mm-hmm. 27. Yeah. I don't know what we're doing with, with this season. I think we're 28. They, 28. They, they keep reducing it at random intervals. Um, yeah, he's, he's the 28th guy in your after. That's that's fine. That's Everybody needs that. But he should not be uh, elevated to leading off and starting in center field every game. I, I think that we have enough of a sample size to know that that's the case. Yes. So, but I, I, you know, I, I go in on, on Twitter, but it's just the – it's to go after the he needs more opportunities camp, which will not go away. Mm-hmm. It's Like you said with the Girardi thing, it's people are so dug in that this guy just needs more opportunities. Like, what? How many – define what, how many opportunities are. My favorite one. My favorite one was always um, Brian Roberts. That was on course forever for people. Give me Brian Brian Roberts. uh, And Whit Merrifield was making a bid for it now. Yeah, it was. um, If we get Brian Roberts and Jake Peavy, that was the ones. We get those two guys. We're going all the way. Well, Jake Peavy almost happened, at least. Um, yeah. He was singing Go Cubs Go at a Vegas karaoke bar during the winter meetings. But So at least there was some reasoning behind it. But yeah, it was the perpetual trade rumors for those two. Um, and now we're going to have five years of Whit Merrifield trade rumors just to back it up while they while Nico Horner becomes the same thing as Whit Merrifield if he uh, yes. is able to put it together. Yep, pretty much. So... Um, I guess I'll ask you, got anything to plug? You can give people your Twitter account. If Twitter handle, yeah, I mean, I don't write any long form. Uh, tweeting is 
allegedly fun, so that's why I do it. Um, hasn't been super fun over the last couple of weeks, but you know they start winning again. We will have a great time. Uh, Twitter handle at evr five five one. I cannot make any assurances that my tweets will be good, but sometimes they're okay. So yep. uh, that's all I've got. Uh, yeah, I, this has been great. Thanks for having me. Of course. Glad to have you on. All right. Um, and I'll, I'll throw it out there for posterity. I think the Cubs end up winning this division. I think that the Reds are, at best, a B-level team. The Brewers are talking about selling already. And they can't really hit the ball. And the Cardinals are going to be ground to a fine pace by the fact they have to make up their entire schedule in September. So Cubs, Cubs win this division, and then we'll see what happens in the playoffs. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks. I, of course, am on Twitter at SDH85. You can email holycowpod at gmail. And, you know, feel free to send me comments and stuff. I might even respond on the podcast, but I'd love to get your feedback. Um, You can subscribe to the podcast on the Apple Podcast app, Stitcher, Spotify, and yeah, give me feedback, rate and review, everything, you know. We got a month left in this crazy season, so yeah, let's uh, go Cubs.